Three, two, one. Hello, everyone. Welcome to There Will Be Bugs. I am one of your hosts, Ben. And I'm Zilla. Just to recap a little bit about ourselves, uh, I'm currently a grad student at the University of Kentucky. And everything I learned about bugs, I learned from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. The worst Indiana Jones movie. Mm, that's a subject for another podcast. Today, we're, this is a continuation of our Yellow Jackets podcast. This is Yellow Jackets Part 2, Revenge of the Yellow Jackets. <laughs> so actually, right after we had this conversation last week, this piece of anti-Yellow Jacket propaganda came up on my Facebook page. I'm sure a lot of people are seeing anti-Yellow Jacket propaganda on their social media, on their various social medias at this time of the year because the Yellow Jackets are out and about just trying to get some sugars for winter. So give them a break. Yeah, yeah. And it, well, and it was interesting how much of it like directly contradicted everything we talked about last week. Like Yellow Jackets are not pollinators. They don't do anything good for the environment. You should just smash them or get rid of them. Like it was very incorrect, I know now. And to build off of that, we're going to be going over a case study today that I found. It is called Why We Love Bees and Hate Wasps. This is a 2018 study published in Ecological Entomology. The article basically starts by saying humans have a long understanding of bees and an appreciation for them in conjunction that the service they provide for us. But that means we often overlook the important services wasps provide for us. The article puts things into perspective by giving some numbers. Uh, most of our prejudices are focused around a very small percentage of wasps. This is uh, only about 1% of the entire order. But because of our interaction with this small percentage of wasps, we usually associate all wasps as being bad. There are 67 species of stinging social wasps. And in order, the order is Hymenoptera, the order contains 75,000 species of solitary wasps and at least 650,000 species of parasitic wasps. Most of them are still unrecognized or not defined. Why are we villainizing wasps, specifically the stinging wasps? Well... And people think that's all that they're good for, right? That all that they do is sting you. Yeah. And, sounds like. Yeah, and to counter that, well, bees sting us too. I've gotten stung by plenty of bees right in the face, and it hurts a lot. <laughs> I've only ever gotten stung by bees, like, two times. Once in childhood, and my parents warned me that if I didn't mess with the insects, they wouldn't sting me, and that served me very well until last summer when I got stung again. But it was because it was crawling around in my motorcycle jacket, and I feel like that was neither one of ours' faults. Yeah, I also got stung in the face because a bee got into my motorcycle helmet, and then I also... It's important that the listeners know that we're very cool people who ride motorcycles. Yeah, but often <laughs> get stung by bees because of it. And then I got, there was this one summer I was working on a farm when I was in high school. And uh, during that summer, three uh, honeybees stung me. These are three separate events and they were all 
in the face. Every <laughs> single time was in the face. And I assume uh, it's because they can uh, sense the carbon dioxide coming out of my mouth. And, uh, you know, to, to them, I am a big predator of their of their hive. But it was just really rude and hurt. <laughs> That was, you should write a letter to bees. That was hurtful when you stung me in the face. I will. Does this have to... Does Do these prejudices also have to do with the pain of the sting? I personally think bees have a worse sting, and I think, I think that because their stinger usually gets lodged in my face, and the venom usually gets pumped into my face, and so my face swells up and it hurts a lot. However, Aristotle... Yeah, I don't know. I haven't gotten stung by enough. I don't even know what stung me last summer. I yeah. think it was a wasp, but um, I haven't gotten stung enough to do a case study. Well, we have Aristotle to tell us what's right and wrong, because um, he's still relevant. He's... No one ever thought another thought ever again after Aristotle. <laughs> he, he... he thought all the thoughts, and then thinking was done. <laughs> Some say that he's actually the one that bought Twitter. Fun fact. <laughs> mm. Aristotle, who claimed to be one of the first entomologists, this is a self-proclamation, obviously. I think we've talked about this I think Aristotle just got to be first at everything because he was the first smart guy to decide to write things down or something. He described the stings of vespids, which are, are stinger, stinging usual wasps, to be more powerful than bees. I don't know what sort of evidence he has to support that or any sort of analytical data but he's he's someone who claims that those things of wasps are worse than bees so i'm a tattoo artist so i deal like i deal in stinging pain all day every day and people have a lot of different opinions about what pain feels like like pain is so 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 subjective and I think people think that things hurt worse, even if they don't, just because they've heard that it hurts worse. Mm. So maybe there's like, maybe because wasps have this like, all they do is sting you. They've got this like, whole, this like stereotype behind them. And then people sort of think that it hurts more, even if it doesn't actually. It plants the seed in their brain. It plants the seed in their brain, yeah. Getting tattooed with red ink does not hurt more, but people think that it does. It's like, maybe it's that same phenomena. Well, maybe that's just your opinion, man. Maybe. Um, I'm right. <laughs> so speaking of quantifying pain, Justin Smith did a pain, a pain index of uh, insect stings, and wasps were ranked higher on his list than bees. Take that again for what it's worth. This is just a man who went out there and thought he could make a living getting stung by uh, various insects. And he thought that, in his opinion, wasp stings were worse than bee stings. Everybody's got to have a thing, you know? So if we're not going off pain, because again, this is very subjective and varies person to person... Um, what about the ecosystem services provided by these insects? Is this why we love bees more? Yeah, I feel like I feel like everyone like from childhood we learned that that bees are like good and helpful and to not get in their way and they won't sting you and they do little dances. 
feel like from early childhood, there's a lot of positive bee propaganda. Yeah, and the, this has been going on for a long time. It's And it's not to say one, so I think the big thing is pollination. When people think of bees, they think of pollination. And for they those cute little pollen sacks hanging on Yeah, the they got like those cute little... You can see little, it happening. They got those cute little pollen sacks, and they're just covered in more hairs, and the hairs are usually branched more, so it's better at capturing pollen on their body. So bees are physically better at performing pollination. No one's trying to dispute that. Except, oh God, if you try to dump on bees, you're gonna get letters. <laughs> <laughs> Except, there have been studies in very specific systems where wasps were the dominant pollinator and frankly better at it than the European honeybee, specifically. Like in America. Like in America. In, in, in local. Yes. That's what there was system. there was a study. I can't remember exactly where in Pennsylvania. But there is a study where scientists wanted to see who was the better pollinator and wasps were better at least than the European honeybee, which when I'm talking about bees, this is usually what people think of. And so we're going to generalize bees right now as the European honeybee, just for the sake of this episode. Wasps have been generalized for a long time, so we're just, we're just making up for last time. Yeah, and wasps aren't the only other pollinators out there, too. Uh, flies, so your diptera, are essential pollinators, especially early season. Flies are some of the uh, earliest insects to emerge after wintertime. So you have early species like skunk cabbage or even winter species like witch hazel that flies might visit um, before any sort of bees or wasps emerge in the springtime. So wasps are important pollinators. Also beetles. There's a lot of tumbling beetles. That's the big one that comes to my mind right now. Longhorn beetles also visit flowers and transfer, transfer the pollen. Basically, I want to get it out there that anytime an insect visits a flower and then moves to another flower, there is some sort of pollination happening. It, pollen is very sticky and it's very easy to get on your body as an insect. So it might not be to the capacity of a bee, but when there is the movement of pollen from one place to another, from one flower to another, that is pollination. It might not be at the same capacity and that insect might not be specially designed for that, but they are still doing pollination, even if it's not intentional. Another ecosystem service wasps provide that is often overlooked by the public is being a biocontrol agent towards pests. Social wasps, the ones that most people, uh, the stinging social wasps that we're talking about are usually generalists. They, that might allow them to even have a larger impact on controlling crop pests Generalists and like what they eat? Yes. They're more of, uh, they can pick up and chew on and eat any sort of insect that they can, that they can basically carry. And they're large wasps, so they, they have a lot of prey items that they can land on, kill it with their mandibles, and then eat, and then eat it. Uh, their mandibles being their mouth parts. 
The social wasps perform better as biocontrol agents than some of our specialized solitary wasps or our uh, parasitoid wasps because a lot of times those wasps need a very specific host. And so if they do have that host present and that host is a pest that we're concerned about, that's really good. They're really good at doing that. But if it's just kind of a, a general hodgepodge of pests, our more generalists like the yellow jackets might be a better biocontrol because they can just get anything and just eat anything they want. Um, they don't depend on a, a specific host to, to perform their life cycle, to, to complete their life cycle. So wasps might be good for gardeners? And... Gardeners, anyone. So if you're a person out there that don't like, I don't know, caterpillars or you just don't like insects in general, well, good news. Wasps don't discriminate. If they can destroy an, a smaller insect, they're your best friend because they will just chomp those insects up and bring them back to their young and eat them. Wasps are beneficial so, for anyone with a garden. Truly the friend to the, the people who don't like insects. Yeah, they yes. are the friend to the people who don't like, like insects because they control the other insects. So especially if you're a gardener that have some sort of uh, like uh, defoliator pest or uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't do a whole lot of gardening, so I don't know what people deal with out there. Um, but are like hemipteran pests that uh, are, are maybe sucking away the the photosynthetic juices from your plants the the wasp can be your best friend and then again this scales up to an agricultural level where they're also beneficial and there was an estimate that well yeah so i was going to say kind of circling back to stinging again i mean if you kind of leave them alone will they leave you alone or so the the closest encounter i've ever had with wasps i was painting like in the rafters of a house and we knew that there were wasps up there and they always just kind of left us alone but when we started like painting in their space they got kind of aggressive with us and we had to wait until it was cooler and they went to bed to go back and finish painting uh-huh by aggressive too uh, by aggressive was anyone stung i sure wasn't because as i've mentioned before i've never really <laughs> i haven't been stung very much um they might i was working with my dad they might have stung my dad but they were, I don't know, they were uh, they were flying around. They were a lot more active, and I think they were even, like, maybe flying towards our faces. They were all up in our business. Uh-huh. I mean, we were all up in their home, to be yeah. fair. But if you're trying to avoid being stung, like, is it enough to just kind of stay out of their way? Because, like, that's always been my, like, personally, my experience with wasps and bees has been, like, just stay away from them or like stay still or step away and they don't really fuck around with you. Sorry, can I say fuck on this podcast? Uh, I think <laughs> you're going to, you can bleep that out. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, tiny ears. I would say for the most part, yes. Again, I can't. Yes. If you leave them alone. Yes. If you alone. can. Yes. If you leave them alone, they'll leave you alone. Obviously I can't get in the mindset of a wasp, but uh, this kind of touches back to our first episode in one where the wasps don't really want to sting you. There's no benefit in, right. in it for yeah, them. Like there's no them. benefit for them to expose themselves and put themselves into danger and use their venom, which is extremely 
taxing to make. Right. Like, just from, from a biological standpoint, that makes no sense. So, again, it makes sense if you're threatening their nest or if, they're per, if they get caught in your clothing and they feel threatened in your clothing, then that, like, you know, that, sure. that makes sense. But they're not going to fly into your home and kill your entire family because they want to. They're not malicious in the sense where they're out for blood just because they can't. Right. If that, if that makes sense. And sure, there might be instances where someone swears that they were not disturbing them whatsoever. And maybe there are like some it's some cases where that just it just happened. But suffice it to say, if they're putting around in your garden and they're not hurting you, maybe just leave them alone because they're eating. Yeah, they're eating pest insects. Yeah, they're not they're not destroying your your plants. They're if anything, they might be pollinating because they do visit flowers and they fly from flower to flower, and that's that will move pollen. And they're helpful to have around. The public opinion plays an important role in which insects get the spotlight in conservation. We've seen this before with the monarch butterfly. Everyone loves the monarch butterfly. That and the honeybee, those are really the only sort of insects that I see that get any sort of like public outreach conservation. When I was in the first grade, we made playgrounds for roly polies in the sand every day at recess. So, well, I I appreciate that. <laughs> I I appreciate that, but uh, for the most part, that's that's kind of the media that is out there. And this paper, this paper is a push to try and convince scientists that they scientists have the opportunity to to focus on like insects in which to gain like research in. I feel, I feel like when I was in elementary school, we had we raised monarch butterflies and we did a gardening project and we learned about bees and the, the, the bee one in particular, like butterflies are, everyone is always going to think a butterfly is beautiful. Like they're just very dazzling, attractive insects, but, but bees like have absolutely had this like campaign of protection, you know? Yeah, they, they have. I'm not saying that bees should not be protected at least are the native wild bees i'm not talking about the european honeybee that is not native it it's is like, livestock yeah uh classified the, by the usda and the whole reason why we need them is because our messed up uh agricultural system but that's a whole nother story it doesn't mean that we should be villainizing other uh, insects that are important to us, that they're not the honeybee. And a lot of this villain villainization revolves around a lack of understanding. It's the scientist's job to push for getting research for these le lesser understood insects and so that we get to know them better and then the public will appreciate them more and then we'll get more research about them and kind of make this positive positive feedback yeah exactly so that and it goes in the other direction too where if we villainize an insect we have less research about them and then people know less about them and then scientists are less likely to research them the authors of this paper compared 5,244 papers 
from 1980 to 2017, 64% of those papers were on bees and 36% of the papers were on wasp. They also showed that the percentage researching bees was greater than wasps in the more recent years. So we could be talking like 70, 75% of those papers were on bees in the more recent years compared to the uh, 30 to 25% that would be on wasps. So the, the bias had become greater over in the more recent years. And so these authors sent out a survey to the public to see what the public thought about certain insects. They completed a survey of 748 people from 46 countries, although notably 70% of the people were from the United Kingdom. They asked people to give their thoughts about bees, wasps, butterflies, and flies, and then they plotted the frequency of some of the most used words in the responses. So let's start with bees. What do you think were the top four words associated with bees when people wrote about what they thought of bees? I mean, one of them has to be honey. Yeah. Pollen and flying and singing. So you got two of the words. Bees had the most tagged words of honey, flowers, buzz, and sting. Buzz isn't a word. It is. That's a sound. It's still a word. <laughs> what do you think were the top four words for flies? I, I think I hate flies more than I hate wasps. I've never considered it before today, right now, but flies are worse. Like annoying, I don't know, dirty. <laughs> this is an anti-fly podcast now. Well, you did get two of the words. Annoying and dirty were the top two words. Buzz was the third word, and wings was the fourth word. Okay, buzz still isn't a word, but okay. It is a word. Next, people were asked about butterflies. So that's got to be, like, pretty, um, wonderful, beautiful, cute. Uh, you got two colors, of the words again. Like... So beautiful, pretty, colorful, and wings were the four words associated with butterflies. What were the words associated with wasps? I mean, probably like like stinging and fear and aggression and assertiveness. <laughs> this isn't a Republican Party <laughs> debate, but sting, annoying, pain, and nest were the top words associated with wasps. I think it's pretty clear what people feel, what their connotations are with those insects. And it just goes to show how people can feel about something that they're probably not super informed about. Uh, because I can have a whole, I could go off on flies and how much I really like flies right now. But, I'm sure we'll do an episode on it. Um, and how awesome and important they are, especially my favorite fly, the robber fly, which I don't even think people would think of as a fly. To, to kind of wrap this all up, the paper just ends with a big push towards evidence-based public image improvement. Um, I really like the fact that they emphasize this evidence-based 
when you when you're trying to make a claim and trying to influence people it's often forgot about that you need evidence for this sure people might believe you but you make a better argument when you have evidence to back it up my own opinion is i really like wasps i i'm coming around to them i always i never really thought much about them honestly i've never interacted with them very much in my day-to-day life not sure where it came from, but I've always had kind of a live and let live with those stinging insects because if, I don't know, if you don't go screw around in their house, they usually will leave you alone. I think if people just kind of took the time to like observe wasps, you, you can you can be around them and just coexist with them while they're doing their thing in, in the garden or doing their thing eating some apples off the ground. Uh, just the other day, we had a picnic at uh, Cornell, and uh, just to make a point, there was this rotten apple in this crate that I picked up that was covered with wa- with yellow jackets, and they they didn't care that I picked up the apple; they wanted the apple. They don't. They don't. They're basically you know, horses. They, they're, <laughs> they're very food motivated, and what <laughs> like. Uh, they just need a little sugar cube, and if you hold your hand really flat, they won't yeah, bite Yeah, they you. won't bite you. Yeah. I understand that some wasps can be pests sometimes. If you have a giant nest in your home or, like, between your walls that are, like, destroying your home, like, I understand that. I'm not going to be like, oh, you need to save those wasps. And there are points where they are pests. And, and they, they, are... Be, they can be kind of sneaky in your yard too, right? Because they live underground sometimes. Yeah, they so can live underground. They can be playing in the grass and not even realize they're there and yeah. get all up in their nests and... Yeah, then they're mad at you. And- yeah, and absolutely. And if you have like a a, a, a very dangerous allergy to them, yeah. like I understand yeah. that. Like Which I'm personally, I'm not personally allergic to them, but I can understand where you, where you might want to minimize the risk if you get stung and it could be life threatening. I understand that. That like these are cases that lot like make logic sense to me but there's a lot of cases that people make that don't make logic sense to me where you just want where they just i don't know just the sight of them makes you makes you feel like they're the apex predator and you're just a a small caterpillar because that's frankly how people act sometimes when (laughs) when a wasp flies at them and they all of a sudden the the apex predator that has landed on the moon has become less dominant than the wasp. And I think it's very funny <laughs> when people freak out by this yeah, by this creature. Go to the moon and then talk to us. <laughs> Stop and take the time to observe them sometimes. Maybe And they really are kinda of, they're kinda of cool looking. You know? They're yeah. their little bodies are put together in a cool way. Their stripes are nice. They have a really cool social structure. They're really hard workers. And they're super beneficial. And honestly, they have the colors on there to warn you to stay away. And so give them their space. They need some space sometimes. There's a lot of humans I know that need their space that would give me a hard time if I got too close to them. Are wasps really that different than us? That's going to finish out our episode, unless you have any last thoughts on wasps. Specifically yellow jackets. Every time I try, I try to do like a quick little Google of the insects that we do before we do them, and the yellow track, all that came up was some TV show that I'm not gonna watch. That's my last wasp thought. It's hard to Google yellow jackets right now because you will find teen drama. So go to the garden, 
watch some teen drama. Don't and, watch some teen drama. And uh, try and understand a little bit more about Yellow Jackets, because they're important, we need them, and they're really not our enemies. This concludes our episode of There Will Be Bugs. I am Ben. I'm Zilla. And thanks for joining us.